I'm Joseph, and this is Fish Jelly. Nick is still gone. Actually, he is flying as we speak from France. Uh, he should be arriving tonight pretty late, so I thought I might as well just try to do another podcast on my own. So I'll ramble on for a bit. Uh, <laughs> first, I am starting with Drag Race All-Star Season 6. So Episode 5 was the Pink Table Talk which was a take on um, the Facebook Red Table Talk show with Jada Pinkett, Willow Smith, and uh, Grandma, Grammy, Mammy, whatever her name is. <laughs> I don't actually watch it. I've seen clips of it, but I don't care for... I shouldn't say I don't care for. Neither... None of those three interest me enough to like watch any episode at full length. But um, as it is, uh, the queens are tasked with getting into groups of threes and uh, talking about various topics like sex, body, and motherhood. The winner of the challenge is Ginger. However, the team that had Eureka, um, Trinity, and Raja were the winning team. So I thought that was interesting. I actually thought Eureka would win. But Ginger did a great job. In the bottom three are Jan, Kylie, Sonique, and Scarlett. Ginger lip syncs. So the lip sync was weird. I thought, like, having Bianca come out seemed pointless because we know she's not going to lip sync. Like, obviously, it's a gag, which it was. Um, instead, uh, Mayhem Miller comes out. They lip sync to Lizzo's song, uh, Phone, and Ginger wins. And she wins $30,000. Which is lovely. I'm, I know those season one and season two girls are upset because 30,000 is more than like their entire rah rah from those two first seasons. So <laughs> that's kind of crazy. But um, yeah, I know that people online, like I noticed a lot of reactions to Scarlet being eliminated, but I thought so. The runway was supposed to be like clashing patterns. And I thought Scarlet's runway was kind of weak because the dress was very basic. It didn't seem to clash as much as just not being that pretty. And then the story behind the text on her dress being her grandparents' love letters seemed really out of place for this particular challenge. So I thought her runway was weak. And in the challenge, the entire point was for each queen to sort of open up more to who they really are. And Scarlett seemed to struggle. And RuPaul even said it was uncomfortable watching her because she would bounce back and forth between her character and herself. So it seemed like the right choice. I don't know what people are upset about. Um, but yeah, that's Drag Race. Okay, so getting to some topics I didn't get to in the last podcast. So this topic about like the COVID vaccine and why people aren't being vaccinated. So a few people I know who aren't being vaccinated, I think they're being coy about why they're not doing it they're saying that it's due to medical reasons which i'm sure is legitimate for some people um and in that case you know they have to do what they have to do but then i was thinking okay why are like what are the reasons some people are not getting the vaccine i think initially there was lack of access right um but at this point it's pretty free. Like, I mean, it's pretty wide open. I don't know if like in the most rural areas, it's difficult for people to get to a location. That being said, if you're that far out, I mean, you really shouldn't be spreading the virus. Uh, 
<laughs> but even still, they should still get it. But it just seems kind of like a weak excuse at this point. Um, I know there are people who think COVID is a hoax or they're they're fixated on the fact that it was like manufactured, like in China. It's like, who cares where it came from? It's making people sick and there's a vaccine. <laughs> I don't understand that logic either. Like, okay, so you're you're so concerned about where it came from, but you need protection from it. So let's get past that for a second. I also know people um, are afraid of the side effects, which also confuses me because having a sore arm or like a slight fever for a day seems far less traumatic than getting like a full blown case of COVID where I'm having trouble breathing, have to be intubated. Like that seems way worse than some discomfort for 24 hours, but okay. I know that there's a like distrust of not just the vaccine, but also like the government. And I think, you know, there is a history, particularly with certain demographics in this country with um, malpractice, right? Like if, if I'm thinking, I'm thinking about like the Tuskegee, um, Tuskegee studies. So those are valid fears that I know a certain population has. But if I think about people not trusting the actual vaccine, which kind of ties into like conspiracy theories of like people's understanding of how vaccines work and what's in it. I'm so confused because it's like, who do you trust? An entire global research science and healthcare community is saying this vaccine works and you need to get it. Like it works, you need to get it. And people are saying, no, they don't trust that. But you'll trust Joe Rogan or some other person, some other wacko on a podcast or, <laughs> you know, or some lady at your church passing out flyers about it. Or, you know, oh, you know, a bartender whose sister works in a wherever and she says that this and that. And I just don't understand who who will you trust if you won't trust scientists and physicians regarding healthcare related issues. It just feels hopeless to me. It feels so hopeless because I don't think that you get to pick and choose because the same person who's saying they won't get the vaccine because they don't know what's in it and it was rushed and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so your doctor's telling you it's fine. You should get it. They got it. Nope, nope, I'm not doing that. But, you know, if you start experiencing green discharge from your vagina, the first person you're going to run to is that same doctor and you'll take whatever medication they give you. <laughs> So it just seems so odd. Like you don't trust them up to a point. Okay. Um, and then these conspiracy theories or people's sort of idea of like what vaccines do. I would really, and I've talked about this before. I think the sign of an educated person is the ability to seek out the truth and not only seeking out the truth, but where you choose to get information from. Like, don't listen to me. I'm not qualified to talk about anything except hair. <laughs> so, you know, don't listen to me about COVID or the vaccine. Go on legitimate, like find legitimate sources, healthcare, your healthcare provider, government websites, and read about it. Read about what the vaccine is. There are different kinds of vaccines. You know, the COVID vaccine does not contain a portion of the virus, so it is impossible to contract COVID from the vaccine. But don't believe me, read about it. And the side effects of the vaccine are your body's immune response to the vaccine, which is a good thing. 
But don't believe me, look it up. So it's just so interesting to me that people will throw out these things like, oh, well, you know, I heard the vaccine contains metals. Yeah, a lot of uh, medication contains metallic salts. <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of shit that we consume contains trace uh, components of a lot of shit that sounds dangerous, like arsenic, like rat feces, you know, ch read about peanut butter. So it's like you'll consume these things, but somehow because some random person who's not qualified to talk about them mentions something, now you're afraid. Or that the government's tracking you. You know, that's another thing that just seems so far-fetched. And even if it's real, what are you doing that you're so worried about? I don't care if anyone's watching my web browser history or watching my whatever. It's like, you know... I'm not doing anything that I'm embarrassed about. And if some and if some FBI agent is staring at me through my um, webcam, you know, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. Like, I'm not doing crazy shit. I mean, someone might see me nude. Again, you're welcome. But that rant, yeah, the vaccine, you know, I who am I to tell people what to do with their bodies and what to put into their bodies? But I just think this is a matter, like, this is a public health and safety issue and we're just going to keep you know la was open for a month and then yesterday we shut down again where we have to wear masks inside um which is not really being shut down it's just we have to wear masks inside now even if you are vaccinated this process is going to go back and forth until enough people get vaccinated so for everyone who's complaining who's not vaccinated it's just like Ugh, I don't know. Like, you know, look up information on who's being hospitalized right now, because the majority of people who are being hospitalized for COVID are not vaccinated. So I don't know what data a person would have to hear to to understand the situation and truly make an informed decision. But it's it's scary. It's sad. It's depressing because I just feel very little hope that we're all going to do what we need to do to move past this. And I just think it's going to, we're in it for the long haul. So that's great, I guess. <laughs> all right, moving on. Uh, I don't know if this is just a Southern California thing, but I want to talk about bottled water. And I don't mean, you know, your little uh, half liter bottle of uh, smart water. I'm talking about the people who go to like the machines at the grocery store to fill up the big five or 10 gallon jugs of water. I've always been so confused by that. And again, I don't know if this is just an LA thing, but people's fear of like tap water here or their unwillingness to drink, like our refrigerator has like a water dispenser. So I drink that almost exclusively, but I will also drink tap water. I'll, well, I also have bottled water in the house that I only give to guests, but 99% of the time I drink the water from the refrigerator and I eat out a lot and I'm assuming they're just giving me tap water and I'm fine with it. So I guess I'm curious, even near my house, there is like in a, a shopping plaza, there is a store called Water Center and they have a bunch of machines that sell filtered water, distilled water, um, alkaline water. I also see, I know there's that like Kagan water thing that I think is kind of like, it's, it seems to be like a pyramid sort of thing where people sell it. <laughs> I don't know, but I've seen a lot of that around my neighborhood. And yeah, 
So the sort of shady thing I wanted to say about it was a lot of the people I see, particularly at the water center near my house, because I'm off, I often drive by there, is the type of people who get this water, <laughs> uh, they look like they don't care about anything else they put into their body. It's just the water. Because these people look like they don't exercise, they don't eat well. A lot of them are overweight. Uh, I've seen people smoking cigarettes while they're getting their water dispensed. I just find it so weird. There's really no point to this except, um, yeah, it's very interesting to me what people fixate on and this idea of like what's healthy and what's nutritious because um, I have an ex who's a surgeon and he would explain to me that before people get um, any sort of bariatric surgery, they obviously have to get cleared, not only um, making sure that they're physically well enough to go through the surgery, but also that they have a healthy enough um, perspective of what life will be like after the surgery. So a common question that would be asked of these people who are undergoing bariatric surgery is, how would you describe a healthy meal? And not surprisingly, um, most of the people who were seeking the surgery, when they would describe a healthy meal, what they were describing was not a healthy, nutritious meal. <laughs> so it's just so interesting. Like, okay, so you have the awareness that you need to lose weight, but you you don't want to think further as to like, okay, so how, how, how will I maintain this weight loss? And maybe at this point, should I consider the choices I'm making as far as what I'm putting into my body. But anyway, yeah, people who go to the grocery store to fill up those big jugs of water, I I, I don't think it's dumb. I just think it's interesting because it's like you look like you ate three Snickers bars on the way over here, but, but I'm not drinking tap water. Okay, anyway. <laughs> okay, the next topic is pet peeves. Uh, I don't know that I have a lot. The first thing that popped into my head is bad customer service. And I am notorious. So one thing I'm known for is if I'm at the grocery store or at Target or anywhere where there's like a person who's supposed to like, like a cashier. If I walk up to the cashier, like after being told to come up and they don't greet me, I will just stand there and stare at them until they greet me. And usually they don't. They'll usually be like, like they're, they're responsible. Like, well, what do you want? And I will say, oh, I thought you were supposed to greet the customer. <laughs> it just blows my mind. And I, when I think about the bad customer service I receive so often, I just think like, you know, people's idea of what it is to work and to do their best or at the bare minimum, do the job you were asked to do. Because I know when Target hired you, they told you that you have to greet every customer a certain way. And somehow you clock into your shift and you just stand there with an attitude like you're doing everyone a favor or you're working for free. So that shit drives me crazy. And I've done well in my life. And I think my advice to people would be always put your best foot forward, always have a good attitude, Always be happy that even if you're not happy at your job, fake it. Because if you can't fake it, then you shouldn't even be there. Like if it's that bad that you can't fake it, you need to move on. But if you can manage to put your best foot forward and have a good personality and be easy to work with, you will have so many more opportunities than that person who just looks mad 
Like they don't want to be there. And even if they're twice as talented as you are, they're not going to get far. You know, these aren't executive level positions. When you're a C-level executive, you can be an asshole. But when you are an entry level like person working in retail, you need to kind of, you, you need to wait a minute before you can just have an attitude. So yeah, I always feel bad when I encounter customer service people who are poor at their job because it's good luck. Good good luck with your career in the future. Next, dirty cars drive me crazy. On the outside, on the inside, I just I don't want to get in the car. If you I rarely and not even since COVID, like just in historically, it is very rare that I will drive in someone else's car. I don't like I, I prefer to drive. I prefer to be in my own car that I know is clean. But on the rare occasions I do get into people's cars, if I open that door and you're like, oh, oh, sorry, you have all this shit on the passenger seat and on the floor and you're throwing shit in the back. Oh, my God, that drives me crazy. First of all, why did you invite me to ride with you if your car is not in a condition to have guests? To me, that's just as bad as going, I mean, I guess I can add to my list of pet peeves, like going to someone's home and it's dirty, like you knew you were having a guest. If I invite you to my home, I'm going to make sure my home is clean. I'm going to make sure I have refreshments and snacks for you. If I invite you to spend the night, like I ha- like we have a guest bedroom, so I'm going to make sure that it's made, all the linens are clean, you have everything you need. I don't like when I go to someone's house or you invite me to go for a ride with you and you're not prepared for me. It just feels like you don't like like you don't give a fuck. <laughs> That's how it feels. Uh so I know if Nick listens to this, he'll think I'm shading him because he's not known for keeping um his car clean. In fact, um I washed his car this morning since he's coming back so he could have a nice clean car to start his week with. Uh, Another pet peeve would be like road rage slash impatient drivers. I just, it's very, especially living in LA where traffic's so bad, it is very much the tortoise and the hare. Like, where are you going? Weaving in and out of traffic, doing burnouts at every green light. Like, you're not going to get far. You are not going to get far. And I think the, I feel bad for people like that because I think the mental anguish they must, they must go through just getting around is really affecting their quality of life. I drive and I'm very patient. I just practice my breathing exercises and listen to good music and just get to where I'm going safely. That's all I'm worried about. So yeah, in, people who are impatient in that way, it just seems like, where are you going in such a hurry? And then you look at these people and it's like, yeah, where are you going in such a hurry? Not the gym, not the dentist. Like, <laughs> you know, like, where are you going in such a hurry? Oh, by the looks of it, you're probably trying to get to McDonald's before the breakfast menu cuts off or whatever. Like, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I used to date someone who was a really impatient driver. And not that he stood a chance in me dating him long term. But (laughs) one thing that turned me off instantly was him being an asshole driver. Like the first time I rode with him, which was maybe like the third time we went out and he was a dick driving. I knew like, ugh. I already didn't see it for you, sir. But I definitely don't see it for you now. (laughs) The last thing on my pet peeves list is and related to cars again. I'm very into cars. That's so, oh, you know, a thing that people probably don't know about me is I am very into cars. 
not so much like um like the mechanics of cars but like automotive design since i was like 12 years old i've subscribed to every car magazine i would read them like they were my bible so i do know a lot about cars um and i do like having a nice car um but my, so the last thing on my list is I hate when people get into my car and want to start playing with everything. They want to start pressing buttons and play with the seats and the this and the that. And what does this do? Furthermore, like, okay, when you get into a car that has automatic climate control, if it's a hot day, the car is going to need time to cool down. And these modern cars have computers on them and the technology knows that when you turn the car on, it's not going to start blowing air right away because that air is going to be hot. So the people who engineered these things know what they're doing. But you always have that one person who gets in like, ah, turn the AC up, roll the windows down. Like, bitch, you were just out in the heat for 30 minutes, okay? You can sit in this car and have air blow at you at a moderate level until it cools down enough to have the full effect. That shit drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. Or I get into someone's car and they have automatic climate control and it's set on like the lowest temperature. Like, girl, it works just... I mean, maybe people aren't used to having like uh, like an automatic thermostat in their home and maybe that's why they don't know. But like, just like you wouldn't in your home set your nest to 60 degrees, you don't need to do that in your car. You can set it to like a nice 72 degrees. The car is smart enough to know to get you there. Like, it knows that it's hot outside. It knows that it's hot in the car. It will get you where you need to go. You don't need to ride around like black, like, <laughs> like you're in a freezer. Oh, that drives me crazy. Okay, moving on. So there were still a lot of questions about hair. Um, so I think I'll just uh, talk about hair. Uh, okay, so first topic is there's a difference between hair texture and curl pattern. And I think people often confuse this. So I'm just going to try to break it down. Okay, so when we say hair texture, that's referring to the individual strands of hair. And when we think about the individual strands of hair, what we're thinking with texture is that hair fine, medium, or thick. Curl pattern is then referring to is your hair straight, wavy, curly, or tightly coiled? So hair texture, individual strands, are they fine, medium, thick? Curl pattern, straight, wavy, curly, tightly coiled. Then you throw the next thing in there, which is density. Density, I often say, is like thinking about your head as like a forest. And how many trees do you have in the forest? <laughs> so I like that analogy because a lot of times clients are very misinformed on their hair texture and curl pattern. So you can have a lot of trees in your forest, so you can have very dense hair, but those hairs can be very fine. So oftentimes people with very dense hair think their hair is very thick. Your hair is not thick. Your hair could be actually very fine. You just have a lot of it. A common thing that people think, particularly about black hair, meaning like Afrocentric hair that is tightly coiled, that hair, um, that curl pattern is often quite fine. It is not thick. 
Those individual strands of hair are actually very soft and thin. It's very interesting. When when I think of like the like sort of benchmark example of like thick, coarse hair, that would be like Asian hair, like the very, very straight. And if you were to pull one strand of hair out, that shit is thick. Like it is coarse. So um, that also leads to this idea of shine. So every lady, every lady wants their hair to be shiny. That's all they would say. Like, can you make it shiny? Okay, there are a lot of things that go, or, you know, they want to show pictures in magazines, like her hair shiny. Okay, first of all, bitch, you're showing me a picture from a glossy magazine. <laughs> so it's not, the, it's not the model's hair that's shiny. It's the glossy paper. It's the product that was put in it. It's the heat. So let me break this down. Okay, when it comes to shine, there are a number of factors how this goes with anything your face your car the paint on your car anything it's how the light reflects off of it that dictates the shine so when we think about how light reflects off something like hair what's one factor the curl pattern if hair is very straight it will reflect light more easily than hair that's curly that's number that's number one. We also know that certain colors reflect light more than others. So warm tones, yellow and red-based colors, reflect light better than cool tones. So blue-based colors or very, very dark matte colors. So that's number one. Also, it's the way hair is styled. And the reason heat can make hair look shiny is because the cuticle. So on your hair strand, there are cuticles like fish scales that, that sort of wrap the hair, like the interior, the cortex of the hair. And depending on the integrity of your hair, the cuticle might be open, like it doesn't want to close. So hair that is very shiny and smooth, the cuticle is very, um, like it's closed tightly. So like virgin hair is a good example. Hair that doesn't get processed a lot with heat will usually have a very smooth cuticle and that reflects light much better than hair that is fried because the cuticle is blown out. So that's not going to reflect light. So if, if the logic is telling us that warm colors reflect light better, so let's say like a pretty copper tone. If you have one lady that has copper, like natural copper hair that doesn't get exposed to a lot of heat, Versus someone with artificial copper hair that's highly processed and, you know, they put a curling iron to it all the time. The virgin hair is going to look more shiny and healthy than the fried hair. So there are a number of factors. And it's really frustrating dealing with people who um, <laughs> want something that's just not attainable. The other thing is like, you know, you have to add shit to your hair too, like silicone. A lot of the products that are uh, styling aids that are marketed for shine, it's just silicone. It's just silicone. Or you can put grease or oil in your hair. That'll make it look shiny. So you you just can't, you know, getting a certain haircut's not going to make your hair shiny or a certain color is not going to make your hair shiny. It really is about a number of factors, including the health of your hair. I also think the one thing I've learned is people need to really work with what they have. You really need to embrace what you have naturally and stop trying to fight it. It's just more efficient. 
It's just more efficient. And chances are, whatever you're working with natural, naturally will probably suit you better than whatever you think you want. And there are so many examples floating in my head. The first would be, okay, so like, so a lot of people have growth patterns or more commonly referred to as like cowlicks um, on their hairline. And if you're unlucky enough to have one sort of at the front of your hairline, <laughs> then it makes it difficult if you want like a center part but you have a growth pattern that's just right of your center part, right? It's going to be a constant battle. Or worse yet, people who want bangs, and then they have a growth pattern like right in the center of their hairline. Okay. To me, you should work with what your cowlick wants to do instead of fighting it. So a person with bangs who has a cowlick dab smack in the middle of it, Every morning they're going to have to get up and blow dry the shit and flat iron it and put product in it and mess with it. And as the day goes on and they get a little sweaty or the slightest bit of humidity hits it and it starts to get funky again. And then when they get home, they have to redo it because they're going to go out to dinner. It's like that, the amount of work that you're doing, the, the time, but also the heat that you're putting on that section of hair every day. That shit's fried. It's fried. It's just really very few people have the ideal hair and growth patterns to support like easy bangs. I'm not going to say very few. If you have pretty like straight hair, that's pretty thick. Because that's the other thing. Child, if you if your hair is not th uh, if, if your density is low, like we can see your scalp. Bangs are not for you. <laughs> They're not for you. It just looks so sad, but I have a lot of opinions about bangs because I think here's another thing when I think about hair and makeup, we know that in general, people hold on to the period when they thought they look their best, which is generally like around the age of 30. That's when most of us feel like we were popping the most. So when we see women who are a little older, like middle-aged, and we look at their style and it's like, oh, you look so like 20, 30 years ago, it's because they're trying to mimic the look when they thought they were at their prime. Unfortunately, as our bodies change, as our skin texture changes, as our hair, you know, with hormonal changes, our hair changes a lot not just in density, but also sometimes the curl pattern will change. So it's like, we have to adjust with the times and it's 2022 and you're out here rocking the hairstyle from 1992. It, you know, it's just like, it doesn't work on a number of levels. So I really, really encourage people to work with what they have. Every lady with curly hair wants straight hair. Every lady with fine, thin hair wants like a full head of hair with lots of volume. And it's like, you're never going to have that. You can, you know, curly haired lady, you can go get a keratin treatment or thermal straightening, also known as like a Japanese straightening. You can do all that or get a relaxer. You can do all that, but that's a lot of work. That is just a lot of work when you could just spend that time embracing your natural texture. The other thing too is people who complain about their look, they don't do sh they don't do shit with their look anyway. So it's like before you complain to me about how much you hate your curl, you know, people with curly hair love to call it frizzy. It's like before you complain about that, why don't you actually try to do it? 
and look nice? Why don't you get a cute haircut and learn how to style your curly hair? You know, it's probably frizzy because you don't do shit with it and you constantly put it in a ponytail and you're constantly touching it. And yeah, that's why it's frizzy. But if you knew how to style it, it would actually be quite beautiful. And lady with the super straight, fine, thin hair, like you can tease it as much as you want to and you can take all the vitamins and everything you want to. You are never going to have a full head of hair. I would say embrace wearing wigs, you know, or falls. A fall is like, like a half wig. So basically like your front hair is out and then you just clip on the rest. But yeah, it's not going to happen for you, girl. And this makes me think it's so unfortunate because everyone on TV, it's all an illusion. You know, even Jennifer Lopez, who's so known for her hair and people reference her so much because they like her highlight patterns and colors. That's not her hair. J-Lo has about as much hair as a squirrel. And now, and you know what I find so funny? Now she's doing those commercials for hymns about like taking those supplements and the topical solution that's medicated to help her hair grow back. So it's like for two decades, three decades, people have been referencing her as sort of like the hair they want. That is not and was never her hair. It was always extensions. <laughs> JLo's hair is very thin and very fine. JLo's also very gray. So when a person is very gray, meaning they have a high percentage of white hair, it's very easy to achieve those colors, like the very cool light browns with the cool blondes. But if, you know, a lot of people with naturally dark hair, which brings me to my next topic, want lighter colors, but they struggle with brassiness. So brassiness, brassiness means unwanted red tones. So when you apply lightener or you try to lighten dark hair, the so anyone who's done this knows the first thing that pops up are like really unappealing red colors and orange colors. That's just the nature of the game. It doesn't matter who you are. If you try to lighten your hair, you're going to have red, orange, and yellow tones. Obviously, people with naturally lighter hair, when they try to lighten it, it lightens much more easily. But it's a constant struggle. So if you want to be lighter, particularly blonde, and you're obsessed with like, I don't want brassiness, I only want ash tones, then you're going to be on a constant fight with trying to keep your hair cool, meaning not brassy. Also... Okay, this goes out, I think, when I think about white ladies, white ladies love to have, like, really light-colored hair, and they want it to be very ashy, which I think is so weird, because my example would be, like, Jennifer um, Aniston. Jennifer Aniston is very tan, like, fake tan, right? And then she has that, like, dark blonde, super ashy base color with the super ashy blonde highlights. So her hair and her face are the same color. She looks like bread. That lady looks like a loaf of bread to me. I know people obsess over her. I think she looks like a loaf of bread. I don't think she's a striking woman with beautiful features. She does have great hair, but that hair would look so much better on someone who wasn't so tan. But, but also, so then I think about white ladies who aren't tan and they have like those pink tones in their face and then they all want to be very blonde that shit is not flattering that's not flattering at all 
It it just is like your face and your hair are the same color. <laughs> and that goes out to my brown skin ladies like wanting like these medium brown tones, like these chocolate medium brown tones. I think it looks terrible. It looks terrible because now your hair and your face are literally the same color. <laughs> if you have beautiful brown skin, I think what works best is your natural color. So darkest, darkest brown or blonde. I think a nicely done blonde looks so beautiful on chocolate skin. Mary J. Blige, I think, kills it with the blonde hair and it looks so good on her. Um, okay, moving on. I don't even know where I am on time. Oh, shit. Okay, so next, uh, people asked about like hair horror stories and I do have a lot of them. So as like a person with a license working, I don't have that many. Most of the stories I have working in a salon are just people being fucking weirdos. And I do want to give a shout out to, you know, men are creeps. Men are absolute creeps. But we can't discount women being creeps too because I... And I'm not even like the most attractive guy, but I've worked with other like male stylists who are very handsome. There was one guy in particular who I'm thinking of who was super hot. Like he was also a model. And the things these ladies would say to him were, were just outrageous. And even me, like I've experienced. So here's one anecdote. So I used to be, you know, I, I have bigger hands and I'm strong, I, I guess, compared to like your average maybe female hairstylist. So when I shampoo someone's head, you know, I do a, a good job. I get in there. And I learned pretty quickly that I can't do that. Because when I tell you these ladies would be in that chair moaning, like making these orgasmic sounds, telling me they wish they could take me home, telling me that, you know, how wet they're getting. Uh, like, ladies have left damp spots in the, in the shampoo chair, um, telling me they want to take me home or wishing I could rub them somewhere else. Then... You know, I'm I'm not the tallest person, but, you know, uh, relative to when people are standing or laying in the shampoo chair, generally, like, because of my height, my crotch will be, like, sort of at eye level to their face. And I've had so many ladies, like, grab my crotch, rub against it. I've had so many ladies grab my arms. So... Yeah, I think that is probably the most uncomfortable thing about working in the salon is having ladies think that they can be really inappropriate. And it's like, I'm obviously gay. <laughs> and, but that hasn't stopped ladies from asking me like out to do stuff or plain like straight out ask me like if I want to have sex or or would I be interested. And so, yeah, when I think about working like behind the chair usually it's like oh i hope this person's gonna be like appropriate um but again i'm not like the hottest ticket out there so i really feel for a lot of like especially um more sort of like straight guys or straight presenting male hairstylists who are attractive because i know they get it real hard and you know maybe some of them like that but i definitely didn't uh, but anyway, most of the horror stories I have were when I worked in the beauty school uh, and then also attending beauty school. So I'll just, I'm trying to think of a couple. First, I think I wanted to say that um, relaxers and perms. And I'm saying this because I know a lot of black people refer to relaxers as perms, but they're not the same. A relaxer and a perm are similar in that they're both a highly alkaline solution. So think Drano. <laughs> 
I would also recommend watching the Chris Rock documentary, uh, Good Hair, uh, because, or even just Googling, I mean, there are pictures of like people putting like aluminum cans in relaxer and how it melts it. It's a very strong solution, but that solution basically breaks down the cortex of the hair and the cortex is what maintains the structure of the curl pattern. So with a relaxer, when you put it on, it basically kills the inner structure of the individual hair strands, leaving it straight. With a perm, you're doing something similar, except when you pour the solution onto the hair, the hair is wrapped in like a rod that's curly, like you're, you're creating a curl. So when the cortex is broken down, it's broken down in the shape of the perm rod. So the most integral step of both of those processes is neutralizing the hair after it's been broken down. So a lot of the horror stories <laughs> of working at the beauty school and being in beauty school is doing relaxers and perms and forgetting to neutralize it. So you can imagine this hair has been treated with a highly caustic chemical to literally basically kill the hair. And then you haven't neutralized it, which basically means closing back up that cuticle. So now the hair is in an extremely vulnerable state. And then you proceed to blow dry it and then flat iron it. So I've had many instances where hair just starts breaking off right in the chair. <laughs> so that was terrible. Something that happened a lot, um, not only in the beauty school when I was working there, but also behind the chair is and I think any hairstylist will tell you this, you cannot leave color around these clients. These clients, if, if, if you leave a bowl of color around them, the first thing they're gonna do is dip their finger in it and try to put it on their eyebrows. And I'll explain why that's a problem, but I'll take it even a step further. One time when I was working at the beauty school, there was a lady who was being kind of difficult with the student and I was trying to like, you know, help just try to like diffuse the situation and just explain like, this is what we're doing. It's going to be fine. And I told the student, don't leave the color around her because she had also mentioned, she was upset that we wouldn't color her eyebrows with it. And I'm like, that's not what we do. Like, we're not doing that for several reasons. But, um, so I told the student, do not leave the color around her. And of course the student didn't listen, walked away. And then, you know, time passes. And then the student comes up to me and says, I can't find my client. It's like, well, what do you, maybe she's in the bathroom. And then the, uh, she explains that the color is also gone. So the client's gone and the hair color's gone. So I'm thinking, oh, she probably went to the bathroom to put color in her eyebrows. She did put color in her eyebrows, but this lady applied color to her pubic hair <laughs> and came back to the chair and was uncomfortable and said she had to go. So we're like, well, what's going on? And that's when she said she put it on her pubic hair and it was burning. So this lady ran out of the uh, school with a head full of color, her eyebrows full of color, and her vagina burning. <laughs> so that's unbelievable. But the reason you shouldn't put the color you put on your hair on your eyebrows is this. If you're coloring your hair a different color than your natural color, so let's say you're naturally like dark brown. So your eyebrows are dark brown, but you color your hair like a lighter red color. 
You will look crazy as hell with light red eyebrows. Your eyebrows should not match your hair if your hair is not your natural color. It looks ridiculous. And if you don't believe me, Google like blonde hair with blonde eyebrows. That shit looks terrible. So your eyebrows should be darker than the hair on your head if it's not your natural color. That's rule number one. Just simple, simple, simple. Your eyebrows should be darker. So if you're like, if you color your hair like intense red like a like a dark blonde intense red color you can have red eyebrows but they need to be like like an intense brown red they need to be deeper darker than the hair on your head or you're going to look crazy um but also the way particularly permanent hair color works is it's a two-stage process it needs to lift or remove your natural pigment to deposit the artificial pigment so if you're one of these crazy bitches who wants to take sneak color and put it on your eyebrows for 10 minutes what's going to happen generally is because that hair on your face is more delicate than the hair on your head and you're only putting it on for 10 minutes and then you go sneak to the bathroom and wash it off what's probably going to happen is the lifting process will occur but the deposit process will not occur. So all you're doing is lifting your natural color on your eyebrows without depositing anything. And as we know, as you lift, those unwanted like warm tones come up. So now you're just gonna end up with like slightly lighter brassy eyebrows compared to what they were before. So don't do that. There is color intended for eyebrows. It is typically not permanent. It's demi or semi-permanent. And it's just meant to tint the eyebrows so that the gray is either fully gone or blended to match your natural color. I would stick with that. Don't, don't try to get crazy. Um, bad experiences in the salon for me were, okay, rule number one, if a person has very long hair and they say they want to chop it all off, that's an immediate no. Because every time I've done that, the person has had a nuclear meltdown. They were not prepared. You can't go from having hair down to your asshole to all of a sudden having a pixie cut. You need to take it step by step. You know, have them take off six inches every two weeks until you get to a place where you feel comfortable. Because if you're doing a full chop, you're literally going through a psychiatric breakdown. <laughs> so, so I've learned not to do that. Also, oh, the one horror story I do have is I had a client whose hair I did for quite some time. She was a really sweet lady. She was a comedian. Um, and then she started dating, uh, I guess I can say it. She started dating Zach Galifianakis. And um, so she was trying to step up her game a little bit. And she was going to the, I'm not going to say which movie, so people can't try to find out who I'm talking about. But she was going to a premiere of one of his movies and she was like, oh, I want to go full blonde. Because before she was more like a light brown and had a little, like a few highlights, but she's like, I want to be like blonde, like OC housewife blonde, which requires on her a full head of highlights, like all of her hair weaved into foils, which is a big job and not my favorite thing to do, but I did it. So at the time I was at a Redken concept salon, so we were using all Redken products and so I mix up my lightener and, you know, like you have to mix up different strengths because you want all the hair to kind of process evenly. And like, so I start from the back, work my way to the front. And I was busy talking, laughing, distracted. And so the short version of the story is I did her entire head of highlights without using developer. So developer is the hydrogen peroxide that like activates the bleach or the color to like make it do its job. So... Um, I should have been probably using like 30 volume developer, 
But instead, I, there was another, Redken makes like some clear solution to do like, like treatments. So, so it has no, like no kick to it. There's nothing to it. I, but it's in the same kind of bottle as the developer and my stupid ass. And the real gag is I was thinking that I was mixing different strengths because the bleach stays the same. It's the developer, like, you know, you'll do 20 or 30, you know, I'll do 20 volume in the back and then 30 volume in the front because the back is going to process longer. So not only did I mix up her developer, but I did it twice because <laughs> I, I thought I was grabbing 20 and then 30 volume. And somehow I still grabbed the same bottle of something that's basically like water. So I, it takes me like an hour to place all these foils. I let it process and I keep checking them like, oh, it's not really doing much. So then I go back to the counter and I re the back bar and I realize that what I did and I have to break it to her like, girl, I don't fucked up. And the premiere was that evening and there was no time. So all I had time to do was kind of put like a toner over her, which ended up looking really pretty. She wasn't blonde, but her hair did look nice. But when I think about times I messed up, that's the worst. Okay, so I have a few minutes. So I was debating on talking about my Vegas days and I decided that I'm going to hold off because a big part of my time working at the casino and all the really sort of interesting stories involved me doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. So I don't know that I'm ready to talk about that. I don't know. I need to contact a lawyer and see if like statute of limitations is up. <laughs> but with this last 10 minutes, I think I will lay a few, I will relay a few stories. So I worked in casino marketing, VIP services, basically working in the lounge where all of like the comp casino guests come so people who get invited to stay at the casino based on their play so people who play at the casino have a player's card and we rate their gameplay and then based on that they get offered all kinds of stuff so um i have so many stories involving casino players and all the crazy things that they wanted that i had to do and um all the ways that i was making money <laughs> which i'm sure people People who have a little uh, a little experience in the world probably know what I'm getting at, but um, I'm going to avoid talking about that for now. However, working in VIP services also um, allowed me to interact with a lot of celebrities because the property I worked at had a very like a 7,000 seat theater, so there would be a lot of talent coming to perform. And our uh, property also hosted the Radio Music Awards for several years, so. Um, yeah, I had the occasion to meet a lot of people. So I have a few stories that I'm hoping I can get through in a few minutes. Okay, the first celebrity I met with uh, when I first started working VIP, uh, who was like a weirdo, was Stevie Nicks. So I was scheduled to leave work at midnight, but then I get told, like, you need to stay later because she's arriving later. She was performing at our theater, and uh, she's not going to be arriving till after midnight. So I stay. She shows up with her assistant, and they're nice enough. I walked them up to their suite. Uh, she was in a pretty nice suite. Not our best, but a pretty nice one. And so I just walked them up there, walked them in, let them know if they need anything. I walked back downstairs and the phone's ringing. And the assistant is saying she can't stay here. Like the, she, they didn't use the term feng, feng shui, but like, like the energy's off, which was, you know, I am a Stevie Nicks fan. Uh, and so I, I, it was very on brand for what I would imagine her to be like. So they said they wanted to stay at the Bellagio in one of the villas. And 
most properties, especially back then, because we're talking, you know, 20 years ago, um, you know, business was booming. These places were very desirable. Like staying in a suite was usually only reserved for high rollers, like people who are spending lots of money. So getting a room like that is not easy. But I called over there and told them who wanted the room. They said, bring her over. But they wanted like an insane amount of money to stay there. They were not going to give her the room for free. So she ended up coming back and just staying there um, for one night only. And then I think for the remaining two nights, she stayed elsewhere. But I'm not sure. But that was my first interaction. Okay, I have two uh, quick stories about Mariah Carey. So she performed at our place a couple times. And the first time I saw her, I had to deliver a dress to her. She was in her room. And she was staying in our biggest suite. So I ring on the doorbell, announce myself, um, walk in. She, she, I was told that she was expecting this dress to be delivered. So I just rang the doorbell, announce myself, walk in. And she was, there was a very long hallway. And at the end of the hallway was like the living space with like the floor to ceiling windows that overlooked the strip. And she had a stationary bike planted like right in the middle of the living room. And she was on the stationary bike wearing lingerie stiletto heels pedaling the bike at a very slow rate of speed <laughs> and then um holding champagne so i have to believe that she did that because she knew someone was coming but that was a really fun way to see her the second time i got to see her was uh in the room she was staying in she wanted like a bed with humidifiers around it and it just so happened that the room she had had a private like glass steam room so we were like this is perfect we can just put the bed in the steam room because it was big so we did but then the assistant said no she doesn't want that she wants like to be in a room with the humidifiers so then i had to like the dining room there was a formal dining room we had to like take the formal dining room set out put a bed in there and then i had to go to i think i ended up going to kmart and walmart to get enough humidifiers to place them all around the room and then when she came in she said okay this is fine <laughs> so that was interesting um i did get to meet whitney houston and bobby brown whitney performed at our casino once and bobby um, had requested that a black person show him around so i showed him around he wanted to know where all of like the service exits were like so he could like quickly get away it was very strange but he asked if i wanted to meet his wife and i said yes i'm a big fan so i go up there and she was in full being bobby brown status and when i walked in i she was screaming that she was hungry she wanted some chicken wings she looked crazy um Bobby introduced me to her. She was pleasant enough. She kind of looked me up and down like, who the hell am I? Um, but yeah, uh, she didn't disappoint uh, in, a, in, a, in, a for, in an unfortunate way. However, I will say the next night when she performed, she didn't sound the best, but she looked amazing. So her hair and makeup team really deserve an award. Uh, my last story is I got to meet Michael Jackson. He was being presented an award at the Radio Music Awards by Beyonce. And I can't get into it because we don't have time, except that the way um, the VIP lounge was set up compared to the theater, it was kind of like an escape route almost. So I was sitting in there when he just walks in and he's about he's my height, but then he wears those heels. So he was taller than I am. And he was wearing a beautiful, like light colored pantsuit, like pseudo military style with all the accoutrement and embellishments. And he asked if he could come in. 
and get away for a second. And then on the desk I was sitting, there was one of those glass figurines that have like an image etched inside. And he was commenting on it and said he liked it. So I asked him if he wanted it and he said, yes. <laughs> so I put it in the box that came in and gave it to him. And he said, thank you and walked out. So that was kind of a magical moment just because his presence was, um, I mean, it was, it took my breath away. It was pretty amazing. And obviously I'm such a Janet Jackson fan that meeting Michael Jackson just felt like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, one, one, one step closer to uh, being with her, but that's all I have time for today. Nick will be home tonight. So for next week's podcast, I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about can, but thank you for listening. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.